glad you uh, you chose to be in church tonight. Amen. And I'm glad that we are here. It's good to be, good to uh, to make that decision, and good to uh, be in the presence of other believers. Good to be in the atmosphere of collective faith. Um, all of those things, huge benefits as Christians. I don't know. I don't remember the context of the conversation. I don't. I don't remember what was actually said. I remember yesterday the conversation come up about, I don't remember, I think it was Misty may have said something, she was reading something about hell, and I walked over to the table, and the spirit quickened me, and he said, aren't you glad you ain't got to go there? Amen. And I said, yes, I am. And I just stopped, it kind of, it kind of buckled me a little bit, because I kind of, I kind of was like, I kind of melted a little bit, because the way, the way he said it was, you know, kind of like one of them side glance kind of, kind of things, he's like, ain't you glad you ain't got to go there? And I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad that I ain't got to think about going to hell. Amen. I'm so glad that's not my plight. That's not what I'm. That's not where I'm headed. It's not what I'm doing. It's not what you're doing. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's not where you're headed. Amen. And so, with that said, there's a bit of um, confidence and peace, all wrapped up in that, and it's enough to really just set you down and you can think about it for a while. Just, just think about not having to go to hell because it was going to go one way or the other, and now you know you have confidence. I'm not going there. It's not where I'm headed. I'm going. I'm going to be able to be with Jesus. I'm going to live in eternity forever. And as Pastor was talking about what we've uh, been discussing on Wednesday nights, there's there should be a bit of a relief because we put so much pressure on ourselves to perform and and to get things done here on this earth. And I know we got to do those things. And 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 if not been for the Lord, we'd have been crushed a long time ago. But if not been for Him, I mean, think about it. If not been for Him. Uh, we wouldn't be here. A lot of you can testify to that. A lot of you can testify to some of the things that he's done for you, the way he's rescued you. Um, I want you to know that he's not done rescuing you. Amen. He's not done. And he rescued you last week, and he rescued you last year. But he's going to rescue you this year, and he'll rescue you next year too. Amen. That's just him. That's just what he does. So I was encouraged when he told me that. He's, you know, He said, hey, Aren't you glad you haven't got to you haven't got to worry about that place? You don't even have you don't have to worry about it if you're with me. You don't have to think about that. I'm so glad tonight that I'm not thinking about hell. I'm thinking about heaven. Amen. Amen. I think about better things, and, and this is one of the reasons why He is our ultimate hope. All our hope goes into Him, Amen. and the world decays. You know the things that we get. I've even recently had some things installed at the house, and I've only been there for a couple months, and I already walked by, and there's a little bit of rust developing. You know, and I'm thinking, what in the world? How in the world that happened already? It's just the way things are. In this world, things are going to decay, right? Things, things take on, um, um, uh, they degenerate, they, they, they are um, less than what they were. And so, in heaven, there's none of that. We are, we are um, eternal and living in an eternal body. And so, um, even though I have not passed from this life, I know that my eternity starts here. My soul is eternally connected to him. And even though I'm living here for now, it's only for a while. And then we get to live forever with him. So a lot of confidence in that tonight. Take heart to that. Um, how many of you know, I always say, you know, how do you know God? Um, what are some of the ways that questions come up in the past? You know, what are some of the ways that you know God? And, I, and when I say this, I, I say it with, um, with reference to the lesson. In, in what ways do you know the enemy? Well, to answer my question, I've always known him as a sucker puncher. 
You want to ask me how I know the enemy? I know him as a sucker puncher. That's why. That's how I know him. And it's not that I have a I have a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, but I have experience with dealing with the enemy and his tactics and what he does and how he approaches God's children. And I I have not figured it out yet. Pastor, you mentioned it this morning about some of the devices and the things that he uses, and and he's been using them for a long time. I, and you've heard me say that before. I've even noticed it in, in my own life. He, he gets kind of predictable because he keeps doing the same stuff, but the reason he keeps doing the same stuff is because it's proven. He doesn't get off of his formula very much at all. And, and I said he's, I've known him as a sucker puncher because that's what, that's what he does. He, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't ever fight fair. I've never, I've never seen that guy fight fair. And... If you know that you're going to be taking somebody on that's a cheater, you prepare for yourself for the cheat. You know, when you're, when you're getting in, you're fixing to get in, you know you're about to get a sport. It's like, you know, oh, that guy or that girl over there, they're a cheater. They've been known to cheat. you got to watch them. Watch them when you're going to, we're going to, we're going to do this, but you watch them. You keep a close eye on them because they've been known to cheat. You play cards with a cheater? You ever done that before? Got the oasis up the sleeve? That's the way the devil works. The devil is a cheater. Remember, he's, the Bible already defines him as a liar and a thief. Pastor, you talked about this morning. He's a liar and a thief. Well, cheating goes right along with it. And the way that he approaches things is he cheats. So what does he, what does he do? He flicks God's people with things out of left field. That's what he does. He, he never, he does not come to you and give you an itinerary about what's coming down the pipe for the next month. I just want you to give you a 30-day free attack warning to let you know how I'm going to be attacking you this month and so you can get prepared. He doesn't do that. The Bible tells us that we got to put on the full armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. It just simply says you got to put the full armor on. Just get your armor on. Don't worry about how exactly how he's going to attack you. Don't, don't, don't think about exactly what is going to happen. Just get your armor on and be ready for it. Amen. Be ready for whatever happens. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but Chances are it's going to look something like this. I'm going to be looking this way, and he's going to, he's going to come up, and he's going to give me a good stab in the back. He's going to give me a slap across the face. He's going to trip me when I ain't looking. He's going to try to put me in the dirt. That's the way the devil works. He always fights unfair. He always cheats, and he always comes from an angle that you're not expecting. It was a word that the Lord gave me years back when I was young in the Lord. He said, we're dealing with the enemy. You have to expect the unexpected. That was his advice to me. That was him teaching me about warfare. I knew very little about spiritual warfare then, but I, and I did not really know my adversary. He said, you need to expect the unexpected. That's what he's going to do. He's going to do what you're not expecting him to do. Much like a sleight of hand, you know. He's got you looking over here, and then he does something over here. I assure you, if you're entrapped tonight by the, uh, the all of the enemy's ability of sleight of hand, and he, if he's got you distracted, I assure you, he's doing something else over here. Yeah. Because by definition, he's a thief. So what's he doing? He's looking to steal something. He's going to steal something. Uh, uh, you've heard of kleptomaniacs. Uh, you still have the compulsive desire to steal something. The enemy's a lot like that when he's around God's people. He's real klepto. He's like, yeah, I've got, I've got to take something. I've got to steal something. And, and you see, that's what, you know, the Bible says that, that never give place to the devil. That's what it says. It says never give place to the enemy. 
And the reason that you never give place to the enemy is because if he can get within distance of you, if he can get close enough, he's going to steal something. This is why we're always commanded to, um, James 4, 7, submit yourselves over to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Make, your, make sure you're in a place of submission. If you are not in a place of submission to God, the enemy has the authority to be able to move into your premises, and then by his nature, his thief, he's going to take something. He's going to. When he, if he can get within proximity, he's going to do something. A thief does that. You ever watch a, you video footage of a good thief, real good thieves? Watch the video footage of them. I don't, I don't want to say it's amazing, but it kind of is. You watch these people slip in. I mean, slip in. I mean, whoop, gotcha, whoop, slip, gotcha. Put the pocket, keep on going. It's amazing. How did you do that? They're thieves. I trade. That's what, they, that's what they do day in and day out. They've taught themselves to be experts at thievery and taking things without you noticing. That's exactly what the devil is defined as. He's a thief. So if he gets within proximity, his hand's going to come out. He's going to try to take something. He's going to steal something. So what do you do? So, so what do we do? How do we, how do we prepare ourselves for somebody that we know is going to fight dirty? How do we prepare ourselves for someone that we know is going to do something that's, that's unfair, that we're going to get checked with things at times? We're going to get checked. Anybody, anybody been checked lately? You get checked. It's like, oh, life's difficult. Life's hard. Life's challenging. Life's got a lot of things uh, that can happen without, uh, without warning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a set of scriptures. These are some familiar scriptures, but I'm going to add some other things to it. And I want to do, uh, similar to what we had done in Sunday school this morning, I want to do a little bit of perspective work uh, tonight. Or just a little bit of perspective work. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Everybody there? Amen. First Peter chapter four. Amen. Look at four and twelve. <clears throat> Seem familiar already? You already know these scriptures. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Now, this was one of the things I just want to say that this was one of the things that I always had a hard time with, with verse 12. And I'm talking from a, from a believer's standpoint, but also from a believer's standpoint, living in a physical body. Beloved, think it not strange. Don't, don't think it's strange. That's not a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. But why do I think it's strange, though, when it happens? That, I'm, I'm asking this as a question. It's The Bible tells me, Think it not strange when the fiery trial happens, but why is it that I keep thinking it's strange? Now, I don't immediately adopt this scripture. I'm not trained well enough to do that yet. I'm pretty well caught off guard. The devil comes up, he trickery, comes in, sucker punches us. We get hit with a trial. Or we've been hit. 
and you know what it means when you're hit. You know what that feels like. I'm not going to define that. Everybody has got a different def definition of that and what that looks like in your life. But think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. It usually takes me a couple days to finally realize that I've been hit. Take me a couple days. Okay, this is okay. I'm in a fiery trial. And then I wonder how I got there. Anyone ever, you ever, you ever get stuck in a trial? You ever get to put in a trial and you blame yourself? You said, you know what? What did I do wrong? And do you ever start backtracking? What did I do wrong? What caused this? What, what caused this to happen to me? What caused this to befall me? That's a really interesting question because I think it's a common thing among Christians. I think a lot of Christians ask that question. What did I do? What did I do to bring this on? I want to show you something here. Because we're about to jump scriptures. Let me, let me just get through this real quick. And, I, and then I wanna, I'm going to read. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. No, no strangeness here. This is, this is normal for the person walking in faith, or at least we, we should consider it as. And then verse 13 says, and this is the one of the most, and, and um, I don't, I'm not going to use the word confusing, because you may think I'm trying to give the devil credit here. I'm not. I'm saying, but this is the thing that I think Christians struggle with here. And this is the thing that I've struggled with in the past is, but rejoice. Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse 13. Verse 13 has put me back in my seat. And I said, you know what? I don't want to read any more scriptures tonight. <laughs> I just want to stop here and I want to think about what that just said here. Because it uses a word here that is probably the, the complete opposite of what makes sense concerning the situation, which is rejoice. Within the context of what it's talking about, that doesn't really add up. You start thinking about that, and when it says, rejoice in so much, rejoice. Rejoice over what? Well, 12, it's leading into it. Think it not strange, the fiery trial, which is to try you. What are you, uh, what are you supposed to be rejoicing in? Rejoicing in the fiery trial. Now, this is where people mistake this. This is not you clicking up your heels because you got fired from your job. Listen, I, I understand there's, there's a bit of um, practicality to the things that we go through. When you go through things that happen that are sad, you're sad, okay? That doesn't mean you dismiss sadness. If you get fired from your job or you, uh, you, you lose a, a position that, that you once had or, or um, your, your vehicle fails on you and now it's going to cost you thousands to get it fixed, it's not that we're excited about those things happening. And this is where a lot of people get this confused. The rejoicing is done in Christ, through Christ, inside the trial. Okay? It doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, I've seen this before. People thought that they had it. They thought it made sense to, they're just, you know, you, you could see that they had been through something, but they had masked the reality. They had phased it out, and they weren't going to confront that. They were just... They painted on a smile, and they thought that they were following the scripture. Listen, the reality of it is, when you go through things, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. So when the Bible tells me to rejoice, I know that God is not telling me to ignore my emotions. That's not it. There's something else that he's asking me to look at. Uh -huh. There's something else that I'm missing, because I look at this and I'm thinking, wait a second. How are you going to tell me to rejoice? How are you going to tell me to rejoice 
considering all the suffering and things that, that, that your people are going through, and you're wanting us to be excited about this? Well, let me show you. I wanna, I'm gonna, we'll finish reading this, but I want to add a little bit of text to it. So let's, um, let's jump real quick. Let's jump real quick to Acts. And I'm going to kind of jump in here, and I'm just going to explain a couple things. If you follow along with me, you'll see it. I'm just going to read just a little bit. It won't take long, but I want to read you something to give you a little bit of text on what we're talking about here. We're in Acts chapter 5, verse 25. Acts 5 and 25. I'm going to read from there. It says, Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. This is the disciples. They had been already put in prison because they was preaching Jesus. And, and, and now they're, the, they're, they're being notifi notified that the same people that was in prison, they're, they're teaching people in the temple. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should uh, be, have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? You know what name they're talking about, the name of Jesus. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Powerful thing. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them who obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. So this conversation is quickly getting out of control. They're, they're, uh, they're saying, what are you teaching again for? What are you doing these things for? They brought them... Uh, before the superiors and they said what is it that you're doing you're spreading this doctrine around and they said listen it's better that we obey God than to obey man he's basically saying this is what we're going to do Amen. we made a decision this is this is how this is all going to go down well then it cuts them they're upset and they're frustrated because what have they done they resisted them okay they resisted them they stood against them and so the their their ending plight was 33 and when they heard this they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them or kill them then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had him reputation among all the people, and commanded to the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, You men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Phidias, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men about 400 joined themselves who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up, Judas of Galilee, in the days of taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as have obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. 
But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, which is a really good quote. <laughs> Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. So they, so Gamaliel stands up, and he brings some perspective to this conversation. He goes, if it's of men, it ain't going to work anyway. But if it's of God, you couldn't have stood against him no matter what. So what does it matter? We'll look at their, uh, now I want you to look at the response. This is what happened. He said, leave him alone. So they were like, all right. Now, we want to kill him, but we'll settle for a beating. Verse 40, he says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So, But, but what did they do? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you been beaten lately for the name of Jesus? No. You haven't been beaten. I haven't been beaten. I don't think anybody here in America has been beaten. Now, your definition of beaten might be a little bit differently than mine. Now, I know the definition of beaten here. They beat these guys. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, like we use a kid. You bend on over, and I'm going to give you a couple swats. No, they beat these guys. They gave them a beating. And, and there was probably blood, and there was probably bruises, and there was probably all of the like of a little bit of violence. Okay. Uh, shook them up a little bit. You want to, see, you know, rough them up. We'll rough them up a little bit. Rough these apostles up a little bit. And then they told them again. Second time they told them, he said, "Do not preach in the name of Jesus." Now, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. I'm just being honest. I'm gonna put myself in their shoes. They snatched me up. They brought me before the officials, and they said, "Stop preaching in the name of Jesus." And I give them my spill. I stop. And they give me a beating. Now I wonder how many are going to be left after the beating. I'm, I'm just asking, how many Christians are going to be left after the beating? Meaning, are we going to get a, a response of, doesn't really matter, I'm going to push forward? Or are we going to get, you know what, this stuff is not really for me. I didn't realize I was going to get beat for this. I'm going to see my way out. Now, they told him, he said, do not preach in the name of Jesus, don't do this again. And so what did they do? Well, let's look at what they did. And we're going to get back to the point here as we go through these next couple of scriptures. It said, in verse 41, And they departed from the presence of the council. They just got beat. Rejoicing. There's that word again. What? You going to stick this word in here again? They were doing what? They were rejoicing. For what reason? That they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. The explanation the reason, the motivation as to why they continued to do what they were doing. They continued to rejoice because they considered it an honor to suffer shame at the name of Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, that's perspective. That's perspective. They were like, I, I, I don't know how it looked, I don't, but it says that they, 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 they went away they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. That's what it says right here. I can just see them walking down the road. It's like, we took a beating for him. We took a beating today. Can you believe it? Thank you, Jesus. You found us worthy to be beaten. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't got this perspective. Most Christians don't have this kind of perspective. This is a different perspective. These guys are in a different place. In their spirit than I am. I'm thinking, hey, if, if I'm getting beat, man, I don't know if I'm gonna I don't know if I'm gonna go there. I think I'm gonna go back over here. These guys turn right back around 
And look what they did. Verse 12. And daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Amen. So they're, they're motivated for the right reason. They're, they're pushing forward for the right reason. They have, they have, the, um, they have their, their, their eyes on the prize. They know who they're doing it for and the reason that they're doing it. Now, was it enjoyable for them to go through this beating? Of course not. It was awful. It was painful. But I can see them quickly, quickly. It's the only way that I can see that they're doing this. Quickly getting out of the flesh and understanding what this beating meant in the spirit. You think, well, I don't know how that's possible. Look, he says, because he, he gives the hint. He gives the hint. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy. Worthy to who? Who? To God. They were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake. And church, that's a thing that happens in the spiritual realm way before it manifests itself in the physical. They said, we've been counted worthy to suffer. This is an honor to have to deal with the things that we're dealing with, to have to go through these things, to have to suffer for the name of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that anything that you've been through is pleasant and that somehow that you're doing it the wrong way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that there's a, I believe that there's a bit of a secret here for the Christian to grab a hold of. I think there's a bit of a secret here because if you're like me, I went through something a month ago and then a month before that. And if and I don't know if you if you do it like I do it, but things start to pile up. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Do you ever feel like your sufferings are piling up? Man, I just went through something last week. And now I'm going through something again. Man, there was there was not there was there was there was nails in the tire of my vehicle, and I had to get them replaced, and then the stupid thing broke down. Pile up, right? And so what 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 is the what's the first emotion that comes to us? The first thing, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong to deserve this? Man, everything's going south. I thought everything was going so well. Maybe we're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Maybe it has nothing to do with doing anything wrong at all. Maybe it's actually because you've done something right. Maybe, maybe, and, then, and really on a small scale, because how would, how would you like it if this was the norm and that the only way that you really knew that you were doing it right is if you had to take a beating? That'd be lousy. That would be a lousy life. Thank God that it's not that way as, as a norm. But when I look at the scripture, I see some things laced in this rejoicing that I know that I'm not doing. And I've got full opportunity. Why? Because I'm not getting beat. I've got the opportunity that's, that's in front of me to rejoice in the Lord even when things are bad. Why? Because my rejoicing isn't dependent, or at least it shouldn't be dependent, on my circumstances. Amen. The rejoicing that they were doing, and even though that they, they understood why it was happening, the, the rejoicing in the Lord with the, 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 the disciples was not circumstantially based, you can't make me believe that they weren't rejoicing beforehand. They were rejoicing before, but now it took on a different tint, took on a little bit different of a meaning now. Now they believe that this beating means something. Now they, they pulled it in, and now it's motivation. 
I would love to get to the place in my spiritual life where things that have befallen me just simply turn into motivation to bring me closer to God. Wouldn't that be great? I would love to get to that place, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not there yet. In fact, if we're all honest, I don't even... I'm still taking some steps in that direction. I'm trying to get to the place where I'm rejoicing on a consistent basis. This is why Pastor talks about... It's why it's so important to praise and worship the Lord on a continual basis, to have a consistent prayer life. I mean, if we can't even praise him consistently when times are good, then what makes you think you're going to be able to flip the script when things go bad? It's so easy. It's so easy to talk about it now because we're in a church setting. And I would trust that most of you got food in your cabinets, money in your pocket, and the opportunity to make money tomorrow. There's going to be an opportunity. It's pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's not. So mastering the, the art of rejoicing, it starts now. It's not, it's not, waiting, it's not waiting until things go bad because I assure, assure you, if, if, we're not, if we don't have the right perspective now, you're not going to pick it up then. The disciples already had the right perspective before they ever got beat. They already had it. They, they was already about God's business. They was already doing God's work. They was already doing kingdom things. So, so getting beaten to them was just a part of the territory. It was, just, it was just another step in the right direction to them. But see, I wonder if that's a sign in, uh, for Western culture Christianity of where we're at with God when we can't even get the rejoicing aspect right when things are good. Amen. That makes me, it really does, makes me think. And I'm not, think for a second, I'm sitting here pointing my fingers because I'm looking at myself. I'm reexamining this whole thing. I'm looking at my own life. And, I'm, and, and there are days I say, man, God's been really good to me. I think, why does it change at the drop? Why does it change so quick? Why all of a sudden do I think, man, why is land so hard and so difficult? And then I ask myself, was I ever, was I, have I been rejoicing in God anyway? Have I been really giving him praise and giving him thanks and lifting him up because of who he is? Not because of my circumstances. Not because of what I can get out of him. Not because of maybe he can give me some gain. Or get me to where I want to go in life. Forget that. Just because of who he is. If I can rejoice then, then I stand the chance to get it right when things really get tough. When things really get hard. But we got to get it right now. All right, so let's jump back over to Peter. We're going to finish up here. Peter 13, and I want to read 13 again, it says, But rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. Reproached for the name of Christ, happy, you're happy. For the spirit of glory and the God rests upon you. I want to share something with you, and I know this is going to sound kind of it's going to sound kind of crazy, and I'll be honest with you, I can't even explain it. All I know is, is that I went through it a couple of years back, and I remember how difficult it was in that trial in my life. And this had gone on for about a good year and a half. And I can't really 
tell you the depths of to what it was, but it was deep. And it was a struggle unlike anything I'd ever been through. And I clung to God and I pulled him in. I said, don't leave me. I need you. And I would go to him more often than I had ever went to him before. I rejoiced more often than I'd ever rejoiced. And I began to develop a relationship that I'd never had in my life. And him and I were tight, close. The Holy Spirit, best friend. I mean, the relationship was hot. It was fervent. And it says here, and I, and I did not understand what was going on because I had this sensation. I'm telling you what this sensation is when I read this again. It says, if you are then reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you for the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. I actually got to a place where I did not want to see the trial end because I thought it might mean leaving his presence. There was something resting on me. And I couldn't explain it. And I started, as, as I developed this relationship with him, I stood there, and I remember I had been asking him to remove this thorn from my flesh for a year and a half. And I remember coming to this place, and I said, but if you remove it, will I still want you the same? Will I still, will I still want you as bad if I don't have it? Because if that's the case, you can leave it there. Because I can't live without you. And that made me rethink everything about how my motivation and what pushed me every day. And I wondered, but what would I do without the thorn? Would I be lazy? Would I seek him as much? Would I, would I cry out to him? Would we have these great times in, at the foot of my bed? What would it be like? And I stopped. And I, and I didn't know how to tell him. Because it was really deep and it was intimate. And I said... I want out of this. I've been asking you for a while to, to remove it from me. But if it means losing what we got here, I don't want it to go. And I don't know how else to tell you that. That's just honest. There was something resting upon me at that time to get me through that. Amen. Seasons change. Time changes. I'll never forget that as long as I live. It was one of the greatest experiences spiritually I've ever had. I, I, would, I would love to go back there again. But the thorn has changed. I don't have the same thorn anymore. And just like a person, just like people, and I don't, I'm not going to speak for you, I'll speak for myself. We take the pressure off a little bit. We get relaxed. We pull back. We're not as fiery as we was before. Can you agree? We're not as fiery when there's something not just staring us in the face, pushing us, telling us that we, we need God. And so there's this, this, his spirit rested upon me. It says, on, on their part, he is, uh, he is evil spoken of, uh, but on your part, he is glorified. Amen. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time has come, here we go, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Amen. Where does judgment begin? Where does the fixings begin? Where does our country start to get fixed? Here. Amen. In the house of God. Now, I know that the house of God, now listen, let's, let's just be real. I understand where that, where's the house of God. You, I'll make a good point off this. House of God is really here, right? This is just a building. It's about the people. The, the, the thing, the fixing is here. God's people need to get fixed here again. 
Here again. Um, I don't know. Pastor and I've talked about this before. I don't know how bad it's going to get. I, I don't know. But I can assure you, if it continues to go down the path that it's going right now, you and I will have plenty of motivation yeah. to keep him at the front. At the front. And I think it's better to do it now. Right. It's better to do it now because all through God's word, uh, things can be avoided if God's people will cry out in time. Amen. They can, they can. They can be avoided. Okay. And then wrapping this thing up. So judgment begins in the house of God. And then, um, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them who obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let him who suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. We were just talking about this this morning. He's the creator. We're the creation, right? Yeah. We're just, we were just discussing this. But the, the scripture is encouraging us that to suffer correctly. Suffer for the right reason. Suffer, suffer for righteousness' sake. And so when I, when I say suffering, and, I, and I, I said this earlier, that I understand that everybody defines suffering differently. So I'm not about to go into that because I know that, that that's, that's a deep, deep hole. So I'm not going to get into exactly what that is. But I want to tell you that the scriptures are encouraging us not to, not to be crazy and to try to pretend like our situation is better than it is. No. The reality of it is when you're suffering, you're suffering. That's the reality of it. But the Bible says while you're suffering, don't forget to rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in him. Rejoice because he's still in control. Rejoice because he's still the creator. Rejoice because even though the circumstances aren't good, that we're still going to lift him up because of who he is. Not for what he can do. I, I still believe Christianity is still hung on what he can do. Not so much of who he is anymore. I watched, I watched it change. I'm not saying I didn't live back in that era. I've done a bit of study. I've done a bit of study of the church back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and 60s and watched it come up. And there was a fear of him. There was a, there was a fear. It was different. Watch, watch, a, watch a, uh, an old-time revival that they got recorded on YouTube. Watch it. It's different. It's totally different than the way they do things now. Uh, you, you, you look at watching. I'm not knocking. I don't know. I'm not even mentioning no names. You can look at revivals that are happening now where they say, well, these big things are going on here. You watch, watch the video footage. Then go back and watch some of these old footages of the things that happened. It was completely different. It's like today, somehow, the Holy Spirit got extremely structured. <laughs> it's extremely structured. Then it was very raw, and you can watch it, and if you don't start weeping before the end of it, you can feel the Holy Spirit just, just rolling. It's just rolling. I've rejoiced watching video footage from back in the early 60s. You, Jesus, about that healing. That person's dead and gone. But I rejoice because of that healing. And just seeing that some of the works that God has, has done. See, you're going to get hit. He's going he's to try it tomorrow. The devil's going to try it tomorrow. He's going to try to come out. He's going to try to hit you. He's going to try to throw something at you that you're not expecting. Do not lose your ability to rejoice. Don't lose it. You may be broke. You may not have the, the job. You may not have the things that you want. But God is still worthy to be praised, and the situation still still deserves uh, our rejoicing in God. Not the situation, but in God and what he can do. I see God's hand moving, 
when we can turn loose of our situation and not want God just to get us out. Come on. Amen. That's what I found out. That's what I found out years back was that he wanted, he wants a relationship with you so bad. He's so bad. Uh, it's, it's, I don't even know if we can comprehend that. He wants to literally sit and talk with you and, and carry on a relationship with you and it not be about what can you give me. The church, is, the church today is about what can you give me, God? What can you give me? The church is all up about gifts and all of these things. And all those things are fantastic and good in the right context. They're all good. The church has got to come back to just who he is. Amen. Just who he is. He's, he's, he's God Almighty. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's just worthy to be praised. Would you stand? Rejoice. Rejoice when things are difficult. Rejoice when things are tough. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in the situation. Rejoice in the Lord. For he can do great things. Father, you're the author and finisher of our faith. And God, whatever work you started in us, you're also going to finish it. Father, I'm thankful tonight for your word. And I'm thankful for the people that you've gathered together in this place, Lord. And everyone unique. Everyone in their own situation. Everybody dealing with their own unique uh, lifestyles and their own unique uh, problems. But God, you know the heart of man. You know it. You know the heart of everybody in this church. You know the trials that this church has been through. You know the trials of the people and the things that they've been through. The, the loss and the frustrations, Lord, you know it. Father, I pray, God, that we can begin to pick up and begin to rejoice in who you are. We rejoice in who you are, Father God, and that you are on the throne, Lord, and that you have not forsaken us. God, that you are with us through everything that we go through. Father, I'm thankful tonight, Lord God, that you've allowed us to be a part of Rock Harbor Church, allowed us to be a part Father God, of the things that are going on here, the things that you're doing. Father, I just pray an anointing upon each and every individual here, Father God, that as we leave this place tonight, God, that we rejoice in you. That God, despite the trial, despite the fiery things, despite the situation, God, that we continue to lift you up and we continue to rejoice in who you are, Father. I'm thankful tonight, Father God, that you guide us through the dark night and you never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I just ask for this blessing tonight upon these people here. And, and Father God, I pray this prayer. Father, thank you for the inspiration. Father, if there be any struggles right now internally, God, that, we're, that, that somebody in here is just dealing with, dealing with some secret struggles, maybe some things that haven't been mentioned, Father, I pray that you touch that right now in Jesus' name. Father, whatever that struggle may be, Father God, we just put it under the blood and ask you to take care of it. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you tonight. Pastor, do we have any announcements or anything before we dismiss? Okay. Fifth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Fifth Sunday singing. Will you be uh, organizing and getting ready for that? Misty, anything? Okay. All right. Jesse, brother, you would dismiss us and we'll be morning. Julius? Okay. Let's remember Julie as we're dismissing tonight and, and remember her in your prayers uh, and throughout the day tomorrow. You would, sir. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity tonight, Father. We thank you for the word. 
Father, we just pray that we take this word, Father, and, and live this word, Father. And we just pray that you be with each and every one of us, Father. We pray that you be with Julie, her surgery tomorrow, Father. And we just pray that you be with, with us throughout the week and bring us all back here safely Wednesday night. Yes. And we give, ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.